How's it going today, guys? Once again, we're back here. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I had to bring my boy, Cohen Hughes, back on this episode since the TP Awards. Cohen, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? We're ready to get after it for y'all today. We got lots of stuff to cover. I haven't covered the boogie trade yet, so you know that's big on here. Disgusting. Oh, yeah, but we'll get to that here in a second. First, let's start out here. Let's do the World Cup whip around. Let's talk about the World Cup. I mean, we got some big games coming tomorrow. First game on the slate, we got France versus Uruguay. Um, France is sitting at a minus 105, Uruguay is at plus uh, 335, and plus 200 for the draw. I mean, Cohen, what are you thinking for this game tomorrow? Uh, I'm thinking France should win this game. Um, I got a 3-1 scoreline, probably. Depends on which, which France gets off the bus, but um, and Uruguay's got a chance. You know, like, if this game goes to PKs, I probably have Uruguay over France, but... France, more so over. Yeah, I mean, I saw Cavani return to uh, training yesterday. He had the calf injury, so all signs are really looking like he's going to play, which is big, as we know he had the two goals against uh, Portugal in the last round. So, I mean, they really need him in there. Him and Suarez is quite the duo at striker, but... I really like France as well in this game. I just think Mbappe, a guy who I picked to uh, win the Young Player Award in this mm. World Cup that I feel like he's really shown out the last couple games and he's been balling out. So I just look for France. Like you said, it really depends on what team gets off the bus. If it goes to PKs, I like Uruguay just because I feel like the team that's kind of the underdog, if they can make it deeper in a game like that, I feel like it's a real boost to their conference and get, or confidence and it gives them a lot better chance to pull an upset or such. Yep. But I really like France tomorrow, 2-1 as well. I think I think Uruguay is too talented striker with Suarez and Cavani and how they pass the ball to not get one goal on the board. But yeah. So I pick tomorrow as France minus 105. I'll definitely be uh, tweeting that out. I'll have my uh, picks for tomorrow. Let's get to game two here. Belgium versus Brazil. Belgium is uh, at plus 245, plus 105 for Brazil, plus 230 for the draw. So, I mean, all positives right here. What do you like? Um, I like Belgium in that game. Probably... Um... I don't know, probably probably 3-2, I feel like the knockout stages games are always just higher scoring than the group stages because teams are just more well-rested, crisp in the game plan, um, see more training that week. Um, I got Belgium 3-2. Yeah, I think, I actually don't think this game will be as high scoring. I feel like that it's going to be 2-1 Belgium. Brazil, to me, has not really impressed me. I feel like, yes, they've won games, but... Neymar's fallen all over the field everywhere. You know, he's crying for any kind he's, of value. He's, he's, he's become like a joke of like the World Cup, you know, like who's going to Neymar this time, you know, like falling around, rolling around, he must be on fire, you know, like it's been like one of those things like people just don't like to see this. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he was that was one of the top trending things on Twitter was Neymar crybaby and stuff, and there was gifts everywhere of like yep. the super street fighter guy hitting him with a blast <laughs> and him going flying. Like all those were cracking me up. He was getting roasted on Twitter, and I agree. I mean, it's a bad brand of soccer. I mean, you can – to an extent, it's smart to play like that, and I know it's part of the sport, but he just does it way too much, and it's everybody complaining about it. So, I mean, we know he's doing it way too much. I, as well, like Belgium in this match, though. I feel like Belgium has a lot of size, and this Brazil team has really struggled. I feel like that they kind of stop and watch Neymar do stuff, and I feel like he slows the game down and plays too selfishly. I mean, don't get me wrong. He had an assist and a goal last match. He does tons of great things. This it's is, just a predictable game plan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think that Belgium's got the bigger people. will watch company in them knock Neymar over, and everyone knows that he's a flopper, so they're not going to give him any calls, and he's just going to get knocked around and beat up. And yep. we've seen him get hurt in this World Cup, and I think that's what it's going to come down to in Brazil. Like, that's their star player. He's going to 
to get hit in the mouth, and I think the rest of the team's not going to be able to respond. And so I just think that Belgium, too, is a high-scoring team. Like you, like we saw what happened last match, we've kind of seen their strategies been. They start those three center backs back there, and then they use the wing backs and stack up their attack with Mertens and uh, Lukaku and Hazard and all them. So, I mean, I look for them just to push the ball and end up getting goals, and they got the size, so I like them a lot, too, on headers. Yep. But, I mean, I'm really excited to watch both these games. They're going to be two great games. Like I said, I'll be tweeting out uh, – my locks right before the games tomorrow for y'all, so be looking out for that. I think France versus Uruguay is probably the better game to watch. Um, I feel like I'll want to tune into the Brazil versus Belgium game to see which one of these teams really has some power and some heavy weight and some momentum behind it, you know, like see who can really maybe try to make a run to the final. Um, Belgium, I feel, is maybe one of the more talented teams in the tournament, but for some odd reason I just don't see them going all the way like that. Brazil, like you said, is really disappointed. Um, I think Brazil goes home tomorrow. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it'll be very graceful either. I think um, it'll be a pretty, pretty tough match to watch for, for Brazil fans. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, one thing though that I will say bodes well for Brazil fans is something I kind of felt like with the Falcons or like kind of how I felt with Germany and Argentina in this World Cup, which we didn't see from any of those teams, is they haven't really played their best match yet. You haven't yep. seen that team click and play. You always feel like, dang, well, I feel like they could play this much better and they're getting this much closer to it. So you can look to it from that perspective. I'm just saying in most instances when I've seen teams like this, I haven't really seen them play up like that and it hasn't really worked out in their favor. So that's part of what bothers me too about this game but all in all I mean if you're Brazil it's going to be a tough game but I agree with you I think the better game we France Uruguay I could easily see that game going into extra time and we know it can happen in extra time so two great matches then on uh, Saturday we got England versus Sweden right now England's at minus 118 Sweden at plus 355 the draws at plus 210 I mean I'm going with England pretty heavily in this game. I mean, Sweden's a big physical team who likes to play defense like that and stuff. But, I mean, England kind of has everything. Like, me and you were talking about earlier when we played FIFA that we both really feel like that England finally has that speed in the midfield. And, like, a lot of times in the past with England teams, they've had players like Walcott and, like, players like that who you're like, yeah, this player has X amount of potential, but they really never – but they show up yeah. one out of every ten matches or three out of every ten or something like that. And I just feel like that they actually have, like, these good players who usually show up like Harry Kane and Rashford and, I mean, Lingard. All these I love people. Marcus Rashford. Yeah, I mean, I love Rashford too. I mean, Lingard obviously has struggled. Him and uh, – um, the guy from uh, or uh, what's his name? The other uh, midfielder um, from Sturridge or not yeah. Sturridge, Sterling. Sterling Sterling yeah Sterling Sterling struggled too a little bit. I mean I just feel like that those two guys have struggled on and off. But I mean I really feel like this England team's gonna show up and play well. I mean they didn't play that well and they got by Colombia. They went through a lot of bad stretches, so I really feel like they can weather the storm once again and move on. That's a good way to put it. Weather the storm. Um, I feel like Harry Kane can carry them to an extent. I feel like good midfield play and good defense on the back line can really help him. Um, and just let me give a shout out to my man Jordan Pickford, the goalie. Um, and those and, and those penalties versus Columbia, he played a hell of a match. Like he's he's young as hell, and in that moment, like I can't imagine a thought that's not running through your head. And he just come up and make really two good saves on on PKs against Columbia, who's known to be a good PK team and good striking team. Um, Maybe if James Rodriguez plays, it's a um, it's a different game. I feel like James is very talented, but I feel like England, um, like you said, can weather the storm. They got too much talent. Like um, you even got guys like Danny Rose, who are great players and are fringe starters for them. You know, like, I just feel like they have too yeah. much talent to not go. 
No, I definitely agree with you there. I think that too much talent on England's side. I mean, Sweden's going to be big and physical, which helps them. I think it could definitely be a low-scoring match, but definitely like that. Uh, Russia and Croatia. Russia or Croatia's at plus 115. Russia's at plus 270. Uh, draws plus 195. I mean, both these teams, I mean, Russia, they have good attack, but I just really don't think they're that good of a team. They kind of got lucky with getting past Spain. I did pick them to get past Spain, which I told you all, was one of my lies. Russia. I call that. I call that on my upset as well. Like Spain didn't look as good to me. Um, Russia really loves to stack that front line and really just attack, 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 and go at you from all different angles. And De Gea, the goalie for Spain, hasn't moved well this tournament. So I felt like that was a really bad matchup for him. Um, and Russia was, I think, and still are the highest scoring team in the tournament. So this game is a whole lot more even than probably me or you would expect, and I'm I'm going with a very, very, very even match. I can't call this one. If you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say Croatia, but to be quite honest with you, I really want Russia to win this one. Yeah, if you put a gun in my head, I'm probably picking the draw. I feel like Croatia's going to be able to get a goal as well as I think Russia will too. I think it'll be a physical match, lots of fouls. You know, I don't think it'll be one of the most enjoyable games, but I think it'll definitely be a good close game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I agree with you though. I mean, Russia's the host nation. you got to think they always have that going for them. I've seen crazy stats that the games with host nations are always more poorly officiated, mm-hmm. but I mean, soccer's one of the most corrupt sports. So FIFA, FIFA is an ant bed of, of, of corruption crawling everywhere yeah. inside and out. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, it's soccer is easily the most corrupt. Like, look at the group that that Russia got, and the and and the first match against Saudi Arabia that Russia got. Yeah, and you can't sit here and tell me that Putin, the corrupt official, uh, corrupt FIFA, and bribing and any sort of weird things happened to get to get Russia that that easy draw. Oh yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent there. Uh, I mean, I think Croatia will play well. I think they have the better players. I think they'll prevail in extra time or in PKs or something like that. But I definitely think Russia is going to play this game close. And, you know, I uh, like you said about the Spain game, I just feel like Spain has everything. They just lack that world-class striker. Like, Diego, Diego Costa is good and all, but I feel like he's not, like, one of those, like, real, real big, big-name strikers. And I feel like Stack him up against Harry Kane, Olivier Giroud, all these guys. He, he doesn't stack up. Exactly. He's the worst one out of all of them. Yep. And that's why I just feel like they lacked, and that's why I feel like they're at home. But – I mean, I'm really excited to watch these games, guys. It's gonna be, it's been a great World Cup so far. I expect nothing Excellent. else from these games. I'll have bets coming out for y'all on Twitter. So look at that. Follow me at Hot Takes with TP3 if you don't already follow me. But let's get down to the NBA here. I mean, big news, big, big, big news coming out. You know, I was reading stuff about Demarcus Cousins and everything, and I was like, where's he going? Where's he going? I thought New Orleans was gonna offer him, and then I get the notification: New Orleans, Julius Randle, two years, eighteen million. So I'm sitting there at dinner in this and. Uh, in Orange Beach in, in uh, Alabama, I was sitting there at dinner. I barely have any cell phone service. I get a notification. DeMarcus Cousins is going to the, the Golden State Warriors five years or one year, $5.3 million. Wasn't the timing so weird? Like, yeah. like, like I just looked down like I was doing some random thing, and I looked down and I was like, oh, shit. DeMarcus Cousins is now a warrior. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And, you know, my initial reaction, just like everyone's, was screw DeMarcus Cousins. You ruined the NBA and everything. And then, you know, I kind of let it settle in for about five minutes. And I was like, all right, we need to calm down here a little bit, guys. Let's be honest, first off. The did NBA you, was already ruined. Yeah, did you really think the Warriors weren't winning the finals? Like, yeah. I like if you held a gun to my head and were like, I'm shooting you in the head. Who, If you don't pick the NBA winner right, who are you picking? I'm picking the Warriors, Warriors. of course. Like, it's a no-brainer. The Warriors, I really don't think it changes up much of anything. I mean, 
I really think that DeMarcus Cousins, he's been a player that's been a locker room problem in the past. I mean, we've seen all his antics of him yelling down the hallway, giving the double mids, F the Warriors, all his antics he's done over the course of his career, spitting out his mouthpiece, calling out uh, Myers Leonard, one of the most yeah. absurd beefs I've seen with Myers Leonard of all people, but... I really do think in de- deep down that he's going to pick all this up because, I mean, he's seen basically that nobody in the NBA really wanted him, and that's who is to blame is the NBA. I mean, yeah, the Pelicans offered him that two-year $40 million deal, but that was in the middle of the season. And if I'm DeMarcus Cousins, I'm turning that down too. You think you're worth the max money. But the thing that also bodes well for the NBA is he's probably not going to be ready till like January, and the only player to come back from a Achilles injury like that is Dominique Wilkins. I mean, we saw it in Kobe. Look at uh, Wesley Matthews. Look at... um. Uh, Chandler Parsons, I mean, all those guys, they got big contracts and they can't play up to anything because of the yep. Achilles, and nobody wants to play them for that. And that's just some players right there. There's been tons of players that's in their career. I mean, Penny Hardaway, that's what he had yep. too, Achilles injury. I mean, takes away from you. And this is a 270-pound man. I don't think that it bodes well for him. So I think, though, he'll be effective in the minutes he'll play because he's only going to be getting like 24 minutes a night. So they can use him when they want to go big and Iguodala when they want to go small. It's perfect for them. I, I, I think that's a very... Um strategically it's a great move for the Warriors yeah because you get fucking boogie cousins you know like you get one of the toughest whenever he's hot and focused he's one of the best players in the league meanest yeah yeah like quite quite frankly um, I don't think the locker room thing will be a problem I think the locker room culture there is a little bit too strong and too in your yeah. face Steve Kerr doesn't tolerate non-believers and you're almost shunned as a non-believer now because the Warriors are so good. And if you go there and mess up, it's you, not them, you know, because they've won so much without you. So I, I, I think um, it's downright criminal in the fact that um, they they can only pay him 5.3. I, I think that he should be just valued at the market just at least at 12 or 13. You know, like I – I'm surprised that the commissioner hasn't come out and said yet that something could be done, something will be done, because, yeah, I get it. Free agency is all fair and love and war, but um, I don't – that's a that's kind of a – not a chump move to me, but that's kind of a cheating little little sneaky move by the Warriors to even sign him for as low as 5.3. Like, that's kind of under the rug, but strategically, if you think about it, it's a great basketball move. You know, you get DeMarcus Cousins. Imagine that him and Draymond playing at the same time. Like that's yeah. that, that's intimidating. You and know, KD. Like, yeah, and KD. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that and Steph war- Curry, like goddamn, like we're forgetting the best three point shooter of all time. You know, yeah, like, and Clay Thompson, like yeah, 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 yeah like, we're forgetting like, the Splash Brothers. And Boogie claims is the third Splash Brother, but I mean, I definitely think this team's absolutely stacked. I thought it. You know, I don't disagree with the Lakers' decision not to sign DeMarcus Cousins, and even though they could have got him for a cheap price like that, I don't disagree with them not signing him just because um, uh, that DeMarcus Cousins is kind of like one of those players you can't really play against the Warriors, you know? Like, no. if you're playing against oh, the no. Warriors, I don't think the Cavs could have used him against the Warriors, so I just don't really think that he was that valuable for... I mean, sorry, not the Cavs, the Lakers. I just yeah. don't think he's very valuable for the Lakers against the Warriors. I don't think he's a player you could use, so... I just think them not paying him is a smart move. And, you know, the thing I love about all the moves the Lakers made is all these guys are on one-year deals. So, I mean, once the season's over, like, you can kind of scratch this season because we all know the Warriors are going to win. I mean, the Celtics do have a good – can match up well against them, especially if Boogie can't move. But I just like Steve Kerr and two of the best three-point shooters of all time and probably one of the yeah, best scorers. Yeah, like, let's be realistic. Like, the Celtics are a good story. I, I we You really love their lineup. But personnel-wise, they just don't match up with the – 
they just don't match up, you know, with the with the, with the Warriors at all. The Celtics are well coached more than they are talented, you know. And so I just I just think that, that yeah, the the Warriors might go five six games with Probably the Celtics, six. but I don't know. I don't know about six. You know, like it's the Celtics are, are way more lucky and well coached than talented. Yeah, I agree with you that on with that completely. They definitely are. I mean, they do have lots of talent, though. Don't get me wrong. This team's a very good team, but I just don't really think they can compete with the Warriors. I just feel like all the Warriors' talent has kind of been there, and you know they have the experience too. None of these Celtics players have really been there like that. I mean, Brown and uh, Tatum. Brown's been to two conference finals. Tatum's been to one. Brown's yeah. only been to one though. Is a big contributor, but I mean, I just don't really think they have that finals kind of mentality and stuff that the Cavs have and everything going for them. And, I mean, injuries can and will happen, so we'll see them. I mean, it would be crazy if Steph and KD have – KD has another foot injury and Steph gets injured too. I mean, yeah. with his ankles. I mean, his ankles are made of paper for him. So and, you know, Draymond can get suspended for a mysterious game six, you know. like yeah. No, definitely. I just don't really think this is their year to unravel. I think the Celtics' year is next year, which is what oh, I've yeah. been saying. Oh, yeah. I felt like they have one more year. You know, my uh, hot take today on Twitter and one of my big-time hot takes – Obviously, the Knicks are going to have to move a little money around, but I think they'll be willing to give up a first. And some joking, knowing somebody eats a first, but I really like KD, Kyrie, and Jimmy Butler, two of those three players to go to New York and meet up together. Once KD gets his third ring in a row, I feel like he's going to say, all right, I have three rings now. Because, I mean, it's obvious the reason why Kevin Durant made this decision is because yeah. he wants to be up there as talk for one of the best players ever. And so he needs rings. How better are you going to do it than joining these other players? He doesn't want to be known for joining the best players in the league and that being his reason for being one of the best players. I feel like he needs to do it on his own, so he's going to go say, yo, let's go meet up with these players. Now, I don't think Porzingis will be the same player, unfortunately, but I think I could definitely see it happening. I mean, there's a lot of stories coming out that Jimmy Butler doesn't like the immaturity of the team he has. Well, first off, I could have told you that the Timberwolves would not have worked out like Tom Thibodeau and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns isn't necessarily a bad player or a locker room problem or anything like that, but you can just tell that he's not mature enough to lead an NBA locker room. Um, Jimmy Butler has always been someone that's been kind of suspect to me in his NBA career, you know, like, to me, like, why would you leave your spot on the up and rising Bulls for a expiring and you know what their ceiling is, Minnesota Timberwolves team, you know, like, I, I don't know if those guys love, like, Thibodeau that much to follow him out there, but... Yeah, I personally don't think Thibodeau is the right coach for me them. Neither, I think me they I don't think Thibodeau is the right coach anywhere. Yeah, I think they should fire him. I think he had a good run with what he did, but I don't like how much he uses guys. Like, I really worry for Jimmy Butler's future, honestly, if you even want to take a risk on a guy like Jimmy Butler, because you saw how much he overused Luol Deng, and look at Luol Deng now. He can barely... He's sitting on the Lakers as the one contract they have to get rid of, you know? Yeah. So, like... I feel like that he uses guys finally, too Finally, much. for the Lakers, they've finally gotten rid of a bunch of those contracts. You know, like It's been a yeah. long road for them. Like Now they're really ready to start competing and try to fire up. One of the funniest things I saw was that LeBron did, made the biggest offseason move for the Lakers by getting them to trade for Clarkson and Nance <laughs> so they could get those contracts off the books. I mean, Damn. he did the Lakers a huge favor. I, I wouldn't doubt that if, 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 if they traded back for him. You know, just like... Yeah, I, w- <clears> I can definitely see it too, but... Uh, Let's move on here from Boogie and everything, and let's go actually to trades. And since we're on Cleveland, let's talk about Kevin Love here. I think Kevin Love trade is in- inevitable because, I mean, the Cavs' l- is pick is belongs to the Hawks currently, but yep. it's top 10 protected. So, I mean, if you keep Kevin Love with how bad the East is, I mean, shoot, you might be a fringe playoff team in the East. I mean, oh, you, that- will, you, will, you will be. You'll be a six seed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're a fringe playoff team. Like the, in the East, I mean, the the four seed is separated from the eight seed by about one or two games, as is the West. But I mean, but the, they, but the East, 
the records are so much worse. Yeah, that's you what can I was tell, about to you say. You can tell that it's just not the same. But at the East, it's 39 to 40 wins rather than in the West, it's 40, 47, yeah, 48. Exactly. And so I think Kevin Love's definitely out there. And actually, the trade I think that makes the most sense is Kevin Love to Philadelphia. And the reasons being that is, I mean, if you look at it, if you're Philadelphia, yeah, you have this good young team. You can still take on a big deal. You just got Wilson Chandler. You can afford to give up a guy like Robert Covington and a guy like Saric, too, and that unprotected heat pick or just one of your picks and even keep on, hang on to that pick. I mean, I think that's probably the best pick you can get offered here because if you're Cleveland, I've been looking at this all day today, and the way I look at it is the only teams that are going to want a guy like Kevin Love are teams that can't offer you that much in return. They're teams like Portland. They're teams that are sitting barely outside of the playoffs, or they're sitting somewhere in that playoff thing, so you're not getting that much in return. Why not get your best return you can get, and that is with Philadelphia and getting one of these guys like that. And and to me, it, it makes more sense to fleece the team that you're competing with for the new crown in the East rather than hand away talent to the West who you know can afford it. But it, you don't want you would want to break up Philadelphia's little momentum roster they have going. You know, like they're starting to be known as one of the better benches in the NBA. See if you can't take a guy or two from them, even a starter like Saric. You know, like I agree, like you could you could definitely get a big return for a team like Philly. And yeah, you might get a big return, quote unquote, from a team from the West. But I think that in terms of value and the right situation and detooling instead of retooling a team that you're competing with makes more sense than trading out of town. Yeah, I think without including a third team in that deal that your best deal is for sure from Philly, and they can just offer you the most stuff. And on top of all of that, I mean, Philadelphia is the best team to take on a guy like Kevin Love. I mean, they don't really have a guy like Kevin Love, you know, on their team. And I feel like that he's on he's on a two-year deal. So if you give up a decent amount, if you're Philadelphia, you're not, or even any of these teams, if you give up a good amount of stuff for Kevin Love, you at least know you've got him for more than one season, which is big you know for a lot of teams you yeah. don't really want to give players up for just that's nothing. one of the big that's one of the big um hindrances to just to, to signing these free agents now is that the way and how fangled the contracts were like you, do, you, you don't want a guy who's going to be a three-quarter year rental you know like you don't want a guy who's going to be a half year rental or a guy who is pretty slated to go somewhere else after he uses your team as a as a leapfrog yeah, just like Kawhi Leonard. That's how I definitely feel about Kawhi Leonard, too. Kawhi's one of those guys, like I have on here, Kawhi Leonard trade, so we'll go ahead and talk about it now. I mean, I just don't really see anybody really giving the Spurs that much for Kawhi Leonard anymore. I'd say the biggest, over uh, between the LeBron and the uh, and the Boogie move, the biggest loser of the DeMarcus Cousins move is the Spurs because now n- nobody's going to want to go yeah. all out for Kawhi Leonard because, I mean, you look at it this way, you're like, I can't beat the Warriors. Why am I giving up all entire franchise if I can't win the championship? Yeah. You know you can get there, but like who cares about getting there? Nobody remembers the team who gets second place unless LeBron's on it. Like nobody no. nobody cares about the team who got second place. Everybody's gonna remember the team who got first place, you know, unless you can really get back there multiple years in a row, which you can't because Kawhi's just gonna walk out the door the next season and go out to LA like he said. And then on top of all that, I think the biggest winner of LeBron going to LA is the Celtics because now it's for sure their conference. You know, yeah. like they really have nobody there challenging them. But uh, I mean, I just don't really see there being much of a market anymore for Kawhi. And I think the Lakers could steal him for like Alonzo, Josh Hart, and the <laughs> first or something. I feel like um, given a situation where there's probably four or five teams in the NBA where Kawhi gets traded there and he doesn't immediately leave the next year. I feel like with a team like the Celtics, if they could swing a trade for him, as long as they still retain much of their core, he might stay there. I, I feel like he might like a um, more of a player-positive head coach like Brad Stevens as opposed to a, 
authoritarian, results-driven coach like Pop. H- however nice Pop is, is irrelevant. But unless you're producing and actually contributing, well, Pop really has nothing to, nothing to do with you. So I feel like maybe the lack of those classic pedigree expectations of being out of San Antonio, I feel like Boston may be a good fit. I don't feel like Boston would get would, would give up enough to, to go get him, though. I feel like they like what they got. And to yeah. be honest with you, why shouldn't you? I don't, I don't agree that team could beat the Warriors, should, but just because, like, why do you want to invest in a core of Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Leonard, who are all injury-prone players? I mean, you just can't really invest in that injury-prone of a core. You know, mm-hmm. every, all the assets you'd have to. But I definitely agree with you. You could definitely stay there. Yeah, um, maybe. I don't feel like uh, the Lakers is the right spot for Kawhi because I don't feel like Luke Walton is that coach. I feel like he's a nice little stopgap. He's probably a top 15 head coach, but whenever you get into the terms of who do you want to push you there and take you there and motivate your guys and that, I don't feel like Luke Walton's the coach. I feel like the Lakers really might be better off if uh, Tyron Lue would have followed LeBron to L.A. because LeBron's the coach anyway. Might as well have somebody who doesn't demand much, who doesn't make the guys practice and run laps, and might as well have a guy who's fit to King LeBron's demeanor. And, yeah. and and because because it showed that that Tyron Lue could tote any coach to the finals. I'm not saying Tyron Lue is the worst coach in the world, but just look at the way that he looks. He looks like he left the oven on every time he let, leaves the house. You know, like he just looks confused and gazed and just doesn't know what to do. You know, like I feel like LeBron could carry Tyron Lue to the Eastern Conference semis, maybe or the Western Conference semis, maybe with this Lakers team. I don't feel I feel like the West is too deep for LeBron. I don't feel like LeBron should have. It was. Very foresighted yeah. of LeBron to do this. I feel like if he if he would have done anything, he would have just stayed in Cleveland and just had a guaranteed Eastern Conference Finals series to play in every year for the last five years of his life. That's what I'm you saying. Because like, let's be honest, with the current Cavs roster versus the current versus what Philadelphia has right now, the way we stand, I mean, who would you take in a seven game series? I'm taking the Cavs. I just feel like that Philadelphia has no. I mean, yeah, you have these players, but I just like them to choke just like they did against Philadelphia. The Philadelphia has a bunch of pretenders, you know, like. Guys like Sarge, yeah, I'm a Darius Hart's fan, but in the regular season, in the 82 games we get to see his highlight every night, you know, like, I don't feel like he's the guy to push you in position to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't feel like, I mean, Ben Simmons is great and all. I, I, my point guard's got to be able to shoot threes and shoot not in the paint, you know, like, there's just plenty of factors about Philadelphia that I don't like. I mean, there's a bunch that I do like, but. There's a bunch of factors about Philadelphia that I just don't like. Like all these one-year deals, expiring contracts they're offering up. Like they're playing with house money, and then you see how sad it is whenever you see someone play for house, play with house money for so long, and then they risk. And then whenever you get into this risky period, it can all go bad for them. Yeah, don't forget. I mean, I I don't like to speculate players are going to get hurt like Embiid and stuff, but I mean Embiid has been injury prone. Yeah, he went the whole season without being injury without getting injury, but I mean Embiid goes down, you're basically back to square one now. I'm not ready to give up on Markel Fultz like a lot of other people have. I still think Markel Fultz has good upside, and I think he's definitely going to bounce back and whatnot and definitely play a lot better. But, I mean, just looking at things right now, I mean, you you got basically a number one pick that hasn't panned out yet, and then you got a player who's one injury away from being done. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of big question marks here in Philadelphia. I mean, we'll try to wrap things up here since we're going a little long, but – Let's uh, get into just kind of, I mean, looking at the Eastern Conference now outside of uh, Philadelphia and Boston. I mean, what do you think looking over these two conferences? I personally think, uh, dude, I just wish I could be the Bucks GM and make one move and get Eric Bledsoe out of there and get them another shooter. I, I love the Chinzo pick. You know, you, you know Schroeder would love to follow Bud to Milwaukee and mm-hmm. have pretty much free reign to do what he wants. Because you know now Atlanta, it's about to be Trey Young's reps. 
It's about to be even Isaiah Taylor, whenever they claim him back off of waivers, his reps. Like, Schroeder, yeah, is, is nice, and I'm a Schroeder guy myself, but I feel like he would be better suited to go play for his old German coach in Milwaukee rather than and, – and, and have way more talent around him and have way more upside around him and have something to play for every night instead of going to Atlanta and playing in front of 100 people and, and losing on purpose. I mean, you know they're in the game because they got good talent and good rookies and good upside, but you're not playing for anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I like, you know, I don't hate Schroeder's game, I just hate his attitude, that's what gets on my nerves, I just feel like he just kind of has, like, this attitude where he thinks, like, that he's, like, something special, he thinks he's, like, a some big name, like, big time player, and he's just, quite frankly, isn't now, Schroeder did play really well in the playoffs for us a year ago against the Wizard. I mean, he played really well. Schroeder's done a lot of good things. I just don't really think he's that guy. Schroeder I, can be that guy when he's motivated, but he's he's a guy who is seen as sort of a diva, even when you look past the attitude problem, is because it takes the right situation for him to succeed. Exactly. Rather than guys who can go in and make an immediate impact, and no matter their attitude, they can stand up, you know, stand up on their own and actually not crumble over a two-long-year rebuild so far. You know, yeah. like Schroeder's just proven he just doesn't want to be in Atlanta. Yeah, no, that's what I think it is, too. And, you know, like I said, it's not about what you want, Schroeder. It's about what we want at the end of the day. But yep. I think we got to get him out of there. He'll hurt Trey Young's development and stuff. So, I mean, if you're Atlanta, you kind of done yourself a disservice by bringing in Trey Young. Well, exactly. You'll have him on the roster. But, I mean, exactly. get rid of him. Cut your ties. Cut your losses. Get rid of it. It's a bad contract, too. But, um, so, but, but like some other teams in the East that could make the playoffs, uh, Orlando has got a – they drafted uh, really well this year, yeah, they're I think. in talks right now with Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like maybe if New York can get healthy and stay healthy, I feel like David Fisdale is a really good coach. Yeah. He, he was the guy that I wanted to back up the Brinks truck to if I was even Atlanta. Yeah, this I year, like Fisdale. Like, Fisdale um, I actually, quick 30-second about this is uh, I was actually – I listened to Michael Rappaport's podcast, and he's hilarious, but uh, he actually interviewed David Fisdale one day. And, like, you, you, you can tell why his system with so little talent in Memphis worked is because he's a – team-oriented and player-oriented guy like he's a guy that 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 i would go play for so i feel like new york can um can get back if they can stay healthy um there's but the east i'm not gonna lie is just so bare like it's it's playoff spots five through eight are just always so open because they're separated by a fucking quarter game and but but the team's fighting for them pretty much don't even want to be there you know like it's it's to, who can get beat so would by you that? rather be in the lottery or is your team just wants to win that much that you can't do anything about it this and, next year it's like who, who would you rather get swept by everybody else in the regular season or would you rather go play the celtics you yeah, know exactly. I, I don't i if i'm an eastern conference team that's sitting to maybe six seven eight or whatever i don't want to see philly boston or even maybe Cleveland, if they can make a few moves. I think Milwaukee, honestly. I mean, I really like Milwaukee. Like I've said, I mean, I just think they're one shooter away still. I don't really like Eric Bledsoe there. I think Giannis has to play point guard with his inability to shoot the ball because then you basically have two players on the floor who can't shoot between him and Bledsoe. And, I mean, we've all seen Giannis's stats. We know he can pass. We know how he can get to the hole. I mean, Giannis is just – I just really think that he's a great player, and I think he's ready to take that next step up. So I'm looking for them to do something here for him, get him another shooter. I'm really hoping Deacon Chinzo can be a good contributor to this team because, I mean, Chris Middleton's one of the most underrated shooters in this league to me. He's a really long player, too. When Chris Middleton takes, takes the volume that he should, sometimes I see I see myself watching a Buck game, and I'm like, damn, I wish Chris would have shot right there. Like, if he would have unlocked his inner Clay Thompson to me and just and just maybe not force up shots but, like, Get yourself into a rhythm instead of being a guy who only shoots whenever you're passed to and have nowhere else to go with it. You know, like 
I feel like he, he's uh, Chris Milton, given the right volume and given the right confidence and given the right rhythm, he can he can be a guy who can stroke in this league. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Chris Middleton's definitely a beast. I mean, looking over at the Western Conference real quick, we're not trying to go on too much longer here, but uh, just in the Western Conference, I mean, obviously I still think that the number one out there is Golden State. I mean, no questions asked. Your number two, I still like Houston as long as they can get Clint Capello back. I mean, it kind of scares me a little bit that he hasn't signed the deal yet, and he tweeted out like that, like, confused face emoji like cryptic kind of yeah. message that yeah it definitely makes me wonder and feel bad but it made me at least once i saw kcp got signed by the lakers at least know that a little bit more so i mean let's say capella's returning right now to houston i think houston locks down that second spot once again and then after that at number three it's really kind of a toss-up i mean you got the pelicans you got the jazz who are just a great team you mm. got the lakers i mean i think the lakers will be top five but I don't really know if they'll be up there, but I mean, I feel like that after those, after Houston and uh, and uh, Golden State, that I really think the Thunder could kind of make a push too. But I think really those rest of those spots will be separated by one game after Houston and Golden State once again, kind of like last year, you know. Um, I'll say this about the LeBron thing: I don't necessarily wish bad on LeBron. I think it's noble what he's doing in his late career, trying to go carry some poor rebuilding team to beat the Warriors because he's his ego's fragile, and I, I think it's noble. I think it's honorable, and I think it's kind of what the NBA needs in order to let the East kind of move on and, and do their thing and let, let's not let LeBron hinder the development of the East. But I feel like, to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that have to go right, like really, really, really yeah. right for, for LeBron to really enjoy the success that he wants in L.A. But it, it will be very, very, very easy for it to go wrong to me. Like JaVale McGee, like – Lance Stevenson, Lance Stevenson Lonzo, that, the ball. That could be a very volatile situation. Not volatile in the fact where people are going to be fighting, but in terms of the Lakers' record and the games that they'll drop that they probably shouldn't and stuff like that, I feel like that's more realistic to what we should expect. I, I feel like you're right in saying that they might be the five or six seed. Um, I just feel like teams like Utah, I feel like teams like even Oklahoma City who have more chemistry with each other, I thought other teams can take their place as to where they think. Because all the Lakers fans are like, oh, yeah, we should be two or three in the West. Let's be realistic. Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. I think Utah is just really stable. I mean, they know what their players want to do. They got to. I just feel like Donovan Mitchell plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he's hungry. Like, I think the best thing that could have happened for Utah and Donovan Mitchell was him not winning Rookie of the Year because now he has that much more of a chip on his shoulder going into this season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just love watching. I feel like he's just a hard worker. Like, I've read so much about him and stuff. Like, he's humble. He works hard and stuff. I just look for them to get even better, and I, you know, I look for him to ball. And he's a guy I root for. I love seeing guys who play with the chip on their shoulder like that. You know, my team though is Portland. I think Portland has to go all out here to get Kevin Love. I think they have to do everything they can. Nurkic is also a restricted free agent, so I mean, if they can't get Kevin Love, they need to bring him back. But I think that Damian Lillard, and, Damian Lillard, and Kevin Love would be a very interesting and a good way combination of players yeah. to see play together. You know, why? I, I I feel like maybe Kevin Love to Washington to go play with John Wall, mm -hmm. maybe. Wizards. Yeah, Otto Porter Jr. and Kevin Love, the money works perfectly. Yep. So, and Porter's about three years younger, so that's a good deal, too, for the Cleveland. That was actually a deal that I saw in like a little thing. It was like possible trades that I really, really liked was that one because I was yep. like, wow, the money matches perfectly. I feel and like players, players like John Wall, players like Damian Lillard, I mean, even Kyrie, whenever he was in Cleveland and motivated, you know, like those kind of players can get the best out of Kevin to find him on those little post-ups, find him on those – stop threes, can find him in a situation that Kevin really wants to play in. Because Kevin doesn't want to be a banging big man anymore. It's just, that's just the way yeah, it is. He's so he's skinny now. So, so he's better suited as someone who can, yeah, who, can, gets, who can spray up and then, you know, kind of back you down if he wants to. But, like, play in and out like that. 
Yeah, no, he gets hurt down there banging with those guys. He's mm-hmm. lost too much weight, but I agree with you. He needs to play with someone who's competitive but likes to have fun. Like yep. LeBron's just is competitive, but he doesn't like to have fun. Like his LeBron's under too much of a microscope, so he can't have fun. I mean, it's not that LeBron. It's not fun being yeah, LeBron. It's James. not that LeBron doesn't want to have fun. LeBron can't because everybody's too critical of him. Like Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard, like you see him crack smiles out there all the time. They were having fun. Like LeBron's always so uptight because he knows if he does one little thing wrong until he does something amazing again, all you're gonna hear is. Oh, LeBron's got Jesus, and that's just the way it is. That's just the weight that comes with being LeBron. You know, it's like yep. the, that's just what comes with being Jesus. That's what comes with being LeBron. Every every, every every kid when when they grow up thinks that it's going to be fun to be the president. Oh, I want to be the president when I grow up. No, you don't. Yeah. Every second of, of your life is planned. You have to go to Kuwait to do photo shoots and photo opportunities, and you got to go sit in office between two and four, and then this and this. Like it's not fun being those kind of people that are so uh, looked at under the microscope and so revered and so honored and is just a, a, a big position of power like that like it's not fun having that responsibility on your shoulders and I feel like Kevin Love can kind of break under that that's why I don't feel like he'll be staying in Cleveland yeah I agree with you on that I mean I just think he's out of there just because Cleveland's going to want that draft pick and they're going to want to rebuild and stuff because I mean they're basically stuck with J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson I think that might I think they could even give Kevin Love way for cheap if they could just get rid of one of them too along with him and just dump salary because yep. you know they don't want to pay for that but We'll see what happens. It's definitely going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I think we still got a Woj bomb or two stuck up his sleeve somewhere. A Shams alert. Yeah, yeah, I think we got we got some sort of big alert coming out here, I think, in the next couple of days. I think there's still one or two left, but starting next week, I'm going to shift my attention more towards football and uh, MLB a little bit. I mean, it's tougher to argue MLB because, I mean, there's so many stats to back it up. It's pretty much just listing stats back and forth, but yeah. definitely going to try to shift our attention those two ways more. But, Cohen, I appreciate having you on again. All right, Penland, it's been fun. It's been good. Um if you're hearing this, get ready for the All-Star game. Our Braves have uh, hella guys in it. Um, hopefully Ozzy can still hold the yeah, spot as a starter. Yeah, go for Ozzy, guys. Go um, for him. Yeah, and um, I hope that one of the coaches picks uh, Fulton Nevich to throw for us. So I, I think if all goes well, I think the Braves should be looking at like six or maybe seven if it goes right All-Stars. Yeah, I think Culberson could be a sleeper for that utility player. You know, mm-hmm. they love taking that utility guy. Culberson's been – filling in well and hitting the ball pretty well. So I think he's definitely a sleeper there. But once again, I appreciate having you guys listen. Uh, look out tomorrow on Twitter for my bets. I'm going to be giving you all locks for all these World Cup games. Be looking forward to them. But we'll see you all next week. All right, y'all. Peace out.